Game Notes is brought to you by Game Time, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know jazz ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. My favorite part of this Game Time app, it is so easy. You can check out for tickets in two taps just tap tap emphasis on the tap tap just get out of there so quickly get tickets blink of an eye so easy to do so head to the app store or google play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets Welcome to the Game Notes Podcast, your Utah Jazz Athletic Podcast, right here on The Athletic. I'm Zach Harp, I'm your host, joined by Tony Jones, as always, our Utah Jazz scribe, Tony. Yo, yo. Oh, oh man. Tony, this road trip. It, it was, was brutal, wasn't it? They were down either 25 or 26 in the in the first half last night to the Philadelphia 76ers in Philadelphia, and all I could think of, man, this team needs to come home. Because after the Raptors game, after the Sixers game, they now are one and four on that East Coast road trip. The sky is falling. I'm looking at your mentions. Jazz fans are concerned. So either raise that concern to another level or calm them down for me, Tony. Um, well, okay. The season's over. The Jazz are going to the lottery. They should tank for LaMelo ball and like there's them. no hope and yeah. fire everybody and blow it all up and tank for LaMelo ball. And that's it. I, that Wait didn't a minute, sound, that's, that's that didn't, what it's supposed to be, right? That didn't sound sincere to me, Tony. Uh, so, all right. Okay. How, that there's nothing to worry about, <laughs> but that was a bad road trip, right? Yeah. It's a terrible road trip. I mean, it's, Okay, it, it it's the the it's one of the 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 biggest um it's one of the toughest road trips I've seen a team take in a long time. Okay, so let let's think of it this way: you change time zones three times, uh-huh. you play four to six best teams in the Eastern Conference. Uh-huh. Three of those four teams within those four to six best teams in the Eastern Conference are legitimate title contenders. Um, all four of those teams that you're playing, all five of the teams that you play on the trip are very physical. The trip was around the Thanksgiving holiday. Oh, and by the way, games four and five of that trip are back-to-backs. Yeah. And every off day of that trip is a travel day. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Ooh, I, I mean, I don't know, Tony, but not this. So here's the thing. I can understand them losing to Milwaukee. That's not a stretch, right? Milwaukee. They played a, well against Milwaukee they because they well. had legs. Yeah, they played well. Then they come back two days later. And they kind of get manhandled by the Pacers, which they were down. They were down 91-86 with eight minutes to go. And they and they just got manhandled the rest. And of the then game. they got manhandled down the stretch. Um, right. They get manhandled. Then they, by were, the, then they were down fifteen at the half against Memphis. Yeah, and they come back and and, and, and they come back and dominate win. the second half. And guess what? And they that down, took that. That was the rest of the juice of the trip. <laughs> they were down. 40 in the first half to the Raptors. That's what happened. That's what happens when you are not playing well and you're playing a trip of this and you're and you're on a trip of this magnitude. Like I don't I don't think I don't I didn't expect them to be down 40. 
uh, to the Raptors. I, I expect nobody, them to lose that game, but I mean, nobody being down expects, 40, man. Like Nobody expects them to be down 40 against the Raptors, just like they, they're not expected to lose by 50 to the Dallas Mavericks. But at the same time, I saw this trip coming a mile away. Like I said before the trip, if the Jazz go two and three, that's a pretty good trip. They, I said before the trip, the Jazz could very, play well on this trip and go one and four. That's how that's how difficult the trip was. Yeah. So I mean, is 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 really nothing to worry about. Are there things to clean up? Yes, there's things to clean up. They didn't play well on the trip. Yeah, they were miserable on the trip. Aside from the Milwaukee yeah. game and even the Memphis game, I know they won it. That's not a good game. Yeah, they they you know they didn't play well on the trip. The ball's not moving enough. They didn't defend well enough. But at the same time, like all of those things are fixable. Um, they're, they're all fixable within a short amount of time. And, you know, basically like I've seen, I've seen every NBA team take a trip like this and have a trip like this. Like you just don't go and play four great teams pretty much consecutively and, and, and play well on, on that type of trip. And especially because the trip didn't make any sense geographically. You know, they had to switch time zones three times within the trip. So, you know, th this trip would have made sense if it was like New York and then Boston and then up to Toronto. Like then you're in the same time zone. You're within, you know, within, you, you know, you're, you're within, you're, you're within a pretty good travel schedule. You have a pretty good synergy. You go from, Milwaukee to Indiana, then you have to go all the way down to New Orleans, then you have to go all the way up to Toronto, then you all have to come back to go to Philly and then across the country Oof. back to back to back to Salt Lake. You know, not only is the trip tough because of the, the, the competition, it made no sense geographically whatsoever. Yeah, that is brutal. So what was the what was the reason the last two were so bad? Like I know it's I know it's a tough trip as you're saying, but there's a difference between tough travel and then just completely getting obliterated by two teams that are arguably better than you. Like I, again, it's not, a sh it's not a shame to, to lose those games, but both games, the first half is just miserable. Yeah. There are no legs. Do you think if the jazz had any juice, if, if the jazz had juice, do you think they would be down 40 to Toronto? No, I mean, I would, I would think not. Okay. So, you think so? I mean, Philly and Philly and, and Utah played three weeks back, and that was a possession game down the stretch. Yeah, that was a terrific game, and the Jazz ended up winning. You know, you think they'd be down fifty nine thirty two if they had any legs? No, that you know, if, if those are one offs on the road, you know they could still very well lose those games, but they're not right. losing by forty, and they're not losing by, and they're not down fifty nine thirty two in the first half. If if they're not at a serious rest disadvantage like right. that part, that part is all legs to me. So the part that you have to pay attention to is, OK, the ball stopped moving halfway within the trip. OK, so that part you have to address. Uh, you didn't rebound. You, you didn't get to a whole bunch of rebounds that you should have gotten to about. And that stopped about halfway through the trip. Uh, Rudy Gobert came back from a sprained ankle. Uh, you guys didn't play well defensively with him in the lineup throughout the entire trip. Those are the things that you have to that you have to look at. But when you look at, you know, Toronto being down 40 in Toronto, being down 27 the night and day later in Philly, that's that's all legs. That's not happening if the Jazz are rested. 
That's not happening if the, if the Jazz aren't if the Jazz aren't at a serious significant rest disadvantage. So yeah, let me but let me let me ask you this, Tony, because I'm just, I'm trying to I agree with you for the most part, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Like, there's a difference between not having legs and and getting you know getting down in a combined what like 67 points in the, in the first half of games, right? Like, isn't there something at some point? And granted, this could just be a perfect storm of the Jazz not having legs and the other teams just bringing it those nights, but there, there's, there just seems to be like, there's gotta be a little bit of a difference between being tired for those games and not having an adjustment in the first half. And maybe no, that is something, got, they, I mean, what I saw one, what I saw was a team that was exhausted. that got snowballed. That's yeah. what I saw. Yeah. And maybe that's like, all it is. Like it, it, on Sunday, like I don't, did you watch the game on Sunday or I, I, I watched the highlights. I admittedly didn't okay. realize it was going on when it was. And so then so, when I saw the score was 40, I was like, I'm not turning a 40. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this is what happened on Sunday, right? So basically halfway through the first quarter, the jazz basically could not get the ball past half court. That seems like it a was, problem. It was like, it was like a, a, it was like, you, you know, when like you were playing, uh, you're playing CYO or you're playing YMCA ball and you're playing like 13 and under and uh, you put on like a, a, a one, two, one, one aggressive full court trap and the other team, they're, they're thir- 12 and 13 years old and they've never seen a full court, full court press in their life. So they, just they throw just, the ball to you every time. The, yeah. They're throwing the ball right to where you wanted them to throw. Yeah. It. So that was basically what the jazz did against the Raptors for about eight minutes. Oof. In that first half, Oof. like I've never seen, I, I I might not have ever seen anything like it, and it was just like, yeah, this team wants to go home really badly. <laughs> oh, and they still had a game and a half left, and they still had a game and a half left. Oh, so, God. like, though, though, to me, those are those are throwaway games because, you know, as I said, like w- when you looked at that game, when you looked at the schedule, now you know you look okay, best case scenario. You know, they're going to lose those games, but they're going to lose by, like, possession down the stretch. Oh, fifth game of the trip, back-to-back, they're definitely getting blown out in Philly. They're, they're definitely getting 20-piece for sure. And, you know, basically that's what happened in tour, tour, tour fruition. I mean, you know, being down 40 in Toronto, it, yeah, it was extreme. But, I mean, it was basically – it wasn't something I, – I didn't expect them – not that I ex- didn't expect them to compete, but I did, I did not – I was not surprised uh, that they got smacked. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, you know, when you go through that, when I've seen it too many times um, in terms of being on a beat and being on a trip like this. I mean, I've, I've seen it too many times. Just a team comes out and they just have, they just have absolutely nothing. So the game, if you're a jazz fan, you don't worry about those games. You worry about when you're not at a rest disadvantage. And if you're still losing those games, like th- those are the games. Those are the games that you worry about. Like I fully expect the Jazz to come out. Maybe they win tomorrow. Maybe they not. But I fully expect them to come out and look rough tomorrow because they had to fly all the way across the country. And the you know the the and first the, the first home game team. after a long trip. That's a road game. Yeah, and they're facing a better team. Yeah. So I mean, um, so it you know I fully expect that to look to look rough as well. Uh, maybe that's mitigated some because the Lakers are going to be on a back to back and they're going to be on their third game of four nights as well. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to be interesting to see how the jazz come out. 
Ever wonder how to get the hottest kicks on the market, the ones that barely hit the shelves? The answer is StockX, a revolutionary new marketplace for buying and selling 100% authentic sneakers, streetwear, watches, handbags, whatever you want. It's what all the experts have been using for a long time. All the hype beasts, that's how they get all their stuff. You can get it right now. Millions are already using StockX to find everything after it sells out from the latest Yeezys, Retro Jordans, hottest streetwear from brands like Supreme, Bape, Palace, Kith, all the good ones. Me personally, I've got my eye on some Confetti Kyrie 4s and oh my God, the price, you can track it the whole time. You know what's going up. You know what's going down. When it goes down, you throw in your offer, you go and get it. Couldn't be easier to use. And the great thing about them, you know everything's authentic. They ensure authenticity. Every item bought or sold on StockX is carefully inspected by hand to ensure it's 100% legit. Their experts go above and beyond to make sure you never get burned by fakes. Absolutely never. They've removed all the risks from buying and selling online. Now you can get the hottest, hardest to find kicks without having to deal with a random buyer or seller ever again. Don't ever go to Craigslist ever again for these kicks. Want to get in on the hype? Check out stockx.com slash bball for a surprise offer. Trust me, that offer is really good, but you got to go to stockx.com slash bball for a surprise offer that won't be around too long. That's stockx.com slash bball. Check it out today. In trying to figure out how to fix things or get things right or whatever, whether this is a sign of concern or whether this is uh, a one-off, they still have to figure out kind of the chemistry between the perimeter trio of Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, and Boyan Bogdanovich, right? And 1,000%. And trying to get those guys all on the same page. And granted, two of those guys are new to the system. Um, something that that uh, our friend Waz, Wazzy Lambert of The Athletic, mentioned on the Daily Ding Monday night um, was was seeing Mike Conley look so hesitant, right? Seeing Mike Conley look hesitant within everything. And I think that that's something that is of concern of that. It's just, it's not that he's missing shots. Missed shots are going to happen. Slow starts are going to happen, but getting all those guys together on the same page and getting him to feel comfortable within that attack, that seems to be an issue right now. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and I think we talked about this before, but you know, when you do one thing one way for 12 years, and then you have to go to a completely different system in a completely way, different way of, of playing basketball. That's just a huge adjustment. And, um, and it, and it shows because it shows to me in a way that Mike is missing pretty much every shot that he's basically made at a high clip for 12 years. Like he's one of the best floater shooters of this, this generation, like maybe second to Tony Parker and he can't make a floater right now. Um, he's always been a great catch and shoot three point shooter and he can't make a three right now. And it's, it, it, it's just a sign of a guy that's thinking the game instead of reacting to the game. And, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, I get asked this a lot. Well, is Mike Conley wash is Mike Conley wash. And the answer to me is no. Because Mike Conley still gets to every spot that he wants to get off the dribble. If you're washed, you can't beat anybody off the dribble anymore. That's when you're washed. And he's beating people off the dribble. He gets into the lane. It's the darndest thing that he's missing the shot. He's mixing all of the Mike Conley shots that he's taken throughout his entire career in Memphis. And and he's made through his entire career in Memphis. And to me, that's a sign of a guy that's just really 
uncomfortable with his surroundings. And it's just going to take a while. It's simple as that. Um, well, so, so what's interesting to me about that is I'm looking at the numbers and before that five game road trip, they're actually pretty good together. Like they're pretty dominant with that trio together. Um, which granted a lot of those are home games and the jazz have been very good at home, but they're plus 15.7 per 100 possessions, uh, up until that road trip on almost 300 minutes. Like that's not Mm -hmm. a huge sample size, but that's a pretty good sample size. And then Tony, when you get into that road trip, uh, they are just terrible defensively. They're minus 3.5 per 100 possessions. Like that's a dramatic swing of almost 20 points per 100 possessions with that trio. Could it just be a product of the road trip? Is it really not as bad? Well, this is what I see. Like, I, I, I don't think that those guys, those three guys are playing instinctively with each other. Okay. Right. And, and I don't think that the synergy right now is where it needs to be. It's not second with, nature, right? With those three. Right. Like it's, it's not like, you know, it's not like Steph and clay. Those guys know where they're going to be with their, those guys know where they're going to be. Right. You know, two, two beats before those guys get there. And, you know, and that's, that's to me, that's that, you know, the, the, the fact that the numbers are the way they are, it, it shows to me how talented they are. But they just aren't playing together in, in a manner that I think that you're going to see uh, in February or March and April or even next year um, when those guys, you know, when those guys just figure kind of figure each other out. You know, um, Donovan Mitchell is 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 a dominant ball in hand player. Uh, Mike Conley is used to having the ball in his hands. Boyan Bogdanovich can have the ball in his hands. And he's progressed to the point where he should have the ball in his hands. So the trick for me is is, is getting all of those guys to the point um, where they can figure out how to play with each other while they're on the floor and also stack, get staggered in a rotation to the point uh, where all those guys have turned uh, being a dominant offensive player on the floor. And they're not, and to me, they're not anywhere close to that yet. Uh, not that they won't get there, but they're not anywhere close to it. And that's why Quinn Snyder switched his rotation halfway through the road trip. Halfway through the road trip, he went to an all bench second unit uh, and he, and he played, you know, the starters, he played those three together, uh, for, for basically all of their minutes. And the reason why he did that was because he wanted those guys to have more experience playing with each other. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, we're, we're on December 3rd and, you know, Quinn is like absolutely 100% still tinkering with his lineups, still trying to figure out what works and oh, and oh, and oh, yeah, all right, guess what? Rudy Gobert now wants the ball a little bit more as well. So there's all these little factors and these in- internal factors that are at play here. And it's all of the product, the, the, it's all the product um, of having a brand new team and putting together uh, dynamic, dynamic guys uh, that haven't been together before. Tony, what does it mean that Rudy Gobert wants the ball more? Like, what, like, um, what, are, we, what are we doing here? It means that when he switched on to a little guy, he he wants you to throw the ball into him. Like he's oh he feels like he's progressed to the point he's not where if you switch if if a team switches everything, he can punish um he could punish that little guy in the post and he can catch and he can finish. So 
you know, he he talked to the media about it a couple of weeks ago, and he said, look, I'm seven foot one. I'm athletic. I can catch the ball. I can dunk the basketball. If I have a six foot guy on me, throw me the basketball. So, you know, in the past, if you know, if it's a Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert pick and roll, and um, you know, the big is switched out on Donovan Mitchell. Ninety nine times out of a hundred, Donovan Mitchell starts dancing, and and he's gonna go at that guy. Well, guess what? Now Rudy Gobert is like, well. You know, I have this six foot one guy on me, and I'm pin. I have him pinned near the basket. Please throw me the basketball. So that's another dynamic that's you but know someone, that's coming someone's into gotta, play. Someone's got to explain that's not their best option in that situation. Like that's not, like he doesn't have touch around the rim unless he's really laying it up or dunking it. Like that's not a good option for them. Their good option is is Donovan attacks that big matchup. And then if he misses, Rudy Gobert can jump over a 6'1 guy and get the putback. Yes. But Rudy doesn't see it that way 100% oh, man, anymore. That's, a, that's frustrating. So, and also Rudy, and, and here's the other thing. Me as a point guard, I know this. And you as a point guard, you know this. Oh, I'm shooting, man. If <laughs> you want your big man to rebound and block shots, you got to throw on the basketball. At least Absolutely. once or Absolutely. But. You gotta let him eat. They ha- they they gotta be they gotta be smart tosses to that guy, right? Like that. I just I get why he feels that way, but he's got to understand that's not right. So this this is so this is. Remember the Knicks back in the nineties when Charles Oakley used to beg for the basketball? Yes, and and Pat Riley would be like, "Yo, dog, why are we giving you the ball? You're Charles Oakley." So what did the Knicks do, right? They came out and they ran like three post-ups a game for him at the beginning of the game right. just to play, just to pacify him, correct? Right. And so maybe you do that for Rudy Gobert. Like maybe you run a couple of post-ups for him at the beginning of the game or at the beginning of the second half and, you know, let him touch the ball, let him feel the ball, let him turn it over, let him do what he does, and then he can go back to being Rudy Gobert for the rest of the game. I mean, is sure. that an option? Uh, man, that seems like a waste of three possessions. It could be, but then maybe you become the Sacramento Kings and you increase possessions. So sure. Now you've gotten uh, look, those possessions if, back. If they want to do that, sure, I'm all for it. But this is, I just look, look, he's not, he's not this player, but it's a little, it's a little reminiscent of. Granted, I, I will preface again. It's an extreme example, but like the Thunder used to run plays for Kendrick Perkins to start games with posters to like get him, make him feel good about himself before they went to their actual scores. Like Rudy is a guy who catches on the move. If you want to get Rudy the ball early on the move, I'm all for it. But that, that like just like so he can feel like a center and post up. Get out of here, man. Go do what you're supposed to do. That's not your job. You know, I mean, it's easy for me, me or you to say that, but sure. you're talking about. You're talking about a two-time defensive player of the year, and you're talking about a two-time All NBA guy. Yeah. And so what's been, the problem? What's Rudy... been the problem with that with that formula so far? It got him a couple of awards the way they use him. Because you know Rudy loves Rudy, <sighs> man. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what makes him Rudy. Like what makes him Rudy is the fact that. He looks at himself and he's like, okay, I'm the best player in the world. I'm the best defender in the world. And then he goes out and then he, you know, he's a complete game changer. And he's been a franchise changer. Absolutely. So 
to me, if the franchise wants the basketball twice a game, you give it to them twice a game. To so, me, so I don't for, see anything wrong with that. Well, here's the problem I have with it is that it's a team that's already bottom eight in offensive rating. You're going to waste two more possessions, three more possessions to start a game, hoping he might score on one of them. Just so if he that, feels better. If that makes if that makes him more efficient in pick and roll, if that makes him set more screen assists, if that makes him go out and protect the rim, uh, and and if that makes him go out and be Rudy Gobert, man, he's already I don't doing that. Have an issue with it? He's already doing that. <clears throat> he is for sure. For sure. I, like, like I, I don't think he's. I, I just don't see him. I don't look at it that way. I, I don't look at it as like you got to get him involved so he feels good. No, man, this dude dominates the game in other aspects to where he's doing that regardless because that's who he is. But that's he's, why Shaq and Kobe broke up because Kobe was like, Nah, man, just go, just go and rebound my misses, bro. If Rudy looked anything like Shaq on offense, <laughs> I'd be with you. I don't know. You sure he looks like Boston Shaq with the ball? Okay, Rudy can Rudy has I think Rudy has progressed to the point where he can catch and finish on a six foot guy. I don't one. I don't think he's going to get that position consistently in those situations. I think he's catching the ball six feet away from the basket and he's not just turning and finishing. I just man, I just think that this is a. I think this is a product of Rudy here. And we know Rudy searches all this stuff, right? I think this is a problem of, of Rudy seeing that he's not an offensive player and he wants to feel like an offensive player because he believes he's, he's that good on both ends of the floor, which fine if you want to feel that way, but it shouldn't be by trying to get post-ups early in the game. But I think in totality, I think that this is kind of encapsulates like the jazz offensively. Like right now it's not a unit. It's not a function. Right. Right. And it needs to, it needs to be more of a unit. Like, you know, you have to, you have to mesh all of these dominant talents or these dynamic talents and these dominant personalities because Donovan is a dominant personality. Rudy's sure. a dominant personality. Sure. Um, and, and, it, then and, it, you have, and then Mike Conley's like the antithesis of that. Like he's almost too nice of a guy. And and Boyan's just a machine. He's like the Terminator. Yeah, Boyan's just gonna shoot. He just like that's a mentality I understand. Right. Boyan's just like give me the ball so I can shoot. So right now, all of these guys are driving the shoot. But, well, let me let me preface that. Donovan and Boyan are driving to shoot. Right. They have to be driving to shoot and pass. And that's I agree what's with that. gonna make them better. I agree with that. And it's not an unselfish thing on either one of their parts. Like those guys aren't selfish players, but it's it's what's made them good. Like their aggression is what's made them good. So they have to channel that aggression and channel it into figuring out uh, how, how it, figuring out a chemistry within themselves and within the, the, the rest of the team. I'm with that. And I, and I agree with you on that. And I, I, I'm all for Rudy getting the ball on the move. I think that's one of the best options they have offensively. I just, because he's got a small guy on him and he wants to post up and feel better about himself offense. Like you can get out of here with that. I just think that's a waste of possessions. And I don't think this team can afford to waste possessions right now as they're trying to become a cohesive unit. Now here's the thing. I might be tempted to put Joe Ingles in the starting lineup. I like this idea because I think we're at the point where I think the starting lineup needs a ball mover. So does that mean Royce is out? That would mean Royce is out. And okay. it we're not going to ex- we're not going think... extreme and putting Mike Conley as the as the sixth man. No, no. Okay. 
it, it would mean Royce is out, which pains me to say because I think Royce has been freaking phenomenal. I, yeah, I agree. And but I think we're so this wouldn't by like this suggestion wouldn't isn't meant to impugn Royce in, in any way because I think he's been like almost one hundred almost one hundred percent of what they thought he was going to be and what they've wanted him to be. And I think he's been one of the best defenders in the league this year. Um, but I think we're at the point with the way the lineup is. I think we're at the point where it just needs a ball mover. And it needs a pick and roll guy where that pick and roll guy, he's looking, you know, because Joe's inclination is to find others. And Mike Conley's inclination is to find others. And I think that there needs to be a balance with that and Donovan and Bojan where their inclination is just to go get buckets. You feel me? Yeah, I'm with you on that. And also, think, also, as good as Royce has been shooting the ball, there's a difference between the defense worrying about Joe Ingles shooting the ball, even though he hasn't been good shooting. Like the defense is still going to be more worried about Joe Ingles shooting a three pointer than they are with Royce. And Joe is a better playmaker for others off that right. attack. But and the other thing is, I think Joe right now, until um, until those other guys get up to speed, I think Joe Ingles is the best pick and roll guy with Rudy in terms of getting Rudy involved. Yeah, I think that's fair. So I think if you do that, um, you 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 do that and you can stagger. You know, you can stagger six minutes into the quarter or whatever, and you can figure something out there. But I just think that right now we're just at a point where I think that the starting lineup, um, the starting lineup needs another a, another ball mover. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree because look again, Royce has been phenomenal, but you do need you you do have a threat of now of like four guys who can attack off the dribble and make something happen for anybody with Rudy Gobert as kind of that safety valve, right? Right. And not that Royce can't do that, but he's just, Joe's a lot better at that. Right. Royce is. Well, Royce is, Royce is a three and D guy. He's catching shoot. He's going to go by you off the dribble. If he's, a, if he's attacking a closeout. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and the beauty of Royce is you can probably put him on almost anybody in the league other than like Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic and people like that. You know, Rudy wants to get involved. Joe can get Rudy involved. Um, the lineup, you know, maybe needs a little bit more spacing. Joe can provide spacing. Yeah. Um, or, or you know, he can provide spacing uh, or he can provide gravity. Um, you know, and I, and I just think, and, and it's one of those things where you can just, you can figure it out during this, with the substitution patterns. And... You know, and I, and, I, and I think that Joe is, frankly, I think Joe has struggled coming off the bench because I think that he's the guy that I think is going to look better playing with better players. Yeah, so. I think, yeah, I think, I think the idea to have him as a six man was a good one, but that's probably better for this team two months from now than, than what they are right now. Uh, in terms of rotation guys, uh, there is a little bit of a discussion between Dante Exum versus Emmanuel Moutier as that backup position, uh, where do you stand on this, Tony? So it's, it's interesting because both of those guys have different strengths and Dante's a lot better than Emmanuel defensively. Emmanuel's a lot better than Dante when he's looking to score. 
Emmanuel gets himself in a lot of trouble when he looks to score too much and he looks to score at the expense of running the offense. Um, and Dante struggles with turnovers and he struggles with shooting the basketball. Um, I'm not sure what the answer is. I almost, well, I'm a, I mean, I, granted, I've never been a big Moutier guy. Um, so I'm trying to take that out of this and, and I am higher on Dante than, than, than I think a lot of people are just because I think at worst you have a phenomenal defender out there. Right. Right. And, right. And He's so, a terrific defender. Yeah. He's and a so, defender. yeah. And so like, I'll take, I'll take the one known skill of him over, Ah, maybe Emmanuel's good at this stuff, but it might, it also might just be a matchup dependent thing where that can be frustrating for fans. I know I've seen a lot of jazz people saying like, Hey, what, you know, what's happened with the rotation tonight? Why, where'd XM's minutes go? Whatever. Right. Um, but I, I'm as long as they know, as long as the players know and can accept, and that's obviously the important part is accepting it, uh, that look, this is going to be a fluid matchup based situation for us with this, with these minutes each night, as long as that doesn't disrupt their rhythm too much, I'd probably go that route, which I know is a little bit of a cop out, but I'd lean more towards Dante, but make it matchup dependent. Um, I'm probably with you there. Um, and I, and I think I agree with, I, I agree with you 100% what you said. So if you put those two together, what's the best NBA skill out of out of those two? And that's Dante's defense. Yeah, absolutely. That's the best NBA skill. Um, so if you put that together and you look at that, now I think it really matters who you put Dante out there with. 100%. Um, he's got to be out there with shooters. Yeah, he's got to be out there with shooters and he's got to be out there. And I think he has to be out there with Joe Ingles because I think he has to be out there with another guy that that's capable yeah. of of being a primary ball handler. Um, and you know, because and it's different than being out there with Donovan Mitchell because Donovan is just going to take the ball and he's going to run pick and roll and he's going to be like, I'm going to go get thirty. And then that just means that you know that just means that Dante is is kind of standing kind of like a man without a country a little bit. You feel me? Right. So, um, and guys, but when I say man without a country, that just means he's standing in a corner. Don't look into it. Um, (laughs) um, he's still playing for Australia's national team. Don't worry. Yes. Um, so, you know, you know, Joe is probably the best at, you know, helping Dante out with primary ball handling duties, but getting Dante, still involved, you know, possession by possession. Um, because I think Dante, if he's going to be out there, I think he needs to be bo- be involved uh, in the possessions. If he's just standing in the corner waiting for the ball to come, he has, like, very little value because he's just not a great catch-and-shoot guy. Uh, he's just not instinctual. Like, I think he's good when he's running pick-and-roll, yeah. um, when he's, you know, when he's, you know, involved. I think he's a better passer than anybody gives him credit for. Um, and obviously I think he's a great defender. Like I, I think Emmanuel Moutier is a good scorer. I, l- I love his size, uh, for a point guard. Um, he's got a good mentality in terms of he's able to, he, he doesn't care who you are. He's still going to go at you, but where he gets himself in trouble is, okay, Emmanuel, we really need you to run, run, run the show and we really need you to get the ball to the guys who need to, who need the basketball. That's where, he, that's where he struggles and that's where he gets himself in trouble. 
Yeah, I, I think for me, I wouldn't want to play Dante with Donovan Mitchell at all. Um, I think I actually like the pairing of him and Mike Conley in theory. I know we've, I, I don't even know, I don't even know, remember if we've seen it this season. If we have, it hasn't been more than a couple of I don't minutes. think we've seen it this season. Yeah, but I, I actually think in theory, that pairing actually, you know, makes more sense to me than ever throwing Dante with Donovan. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because, I mean, listen, the thing with Donovan, and this is rightfully so, I mean, he's, he's your top offensive option. And if the Jazz are going to win a title, is is you know it. One of the reasons they're going to win a title is because he's he's developed uh, into he's developed into a superstar offensively. So, you know, and and he's gotten to the point where he's going to get his touches and he's going to get his possessions regardless. It doesn't matter who's on the floor, and you can't blame him for that because of how talented that he is. But where it hurts is when you're Dante Axum and you need a possession or two just to feel the basketball and you're standing in a corner. Right. Royce O'Neal can stand in the corner because Royce O'Neal knows what he is, who he is. He's comfortable in his skin and he knows, okay, I can stand in the corner and wait for Donovan to pass me the basketball. And when I'm, when I'm, when he passes me the ball, I'm going to shoot it. Right. So, but Dante's just not a great catch and shoot guy so it matters who he's on the floor with and i think that um i think that the mike conley suggestion is a good one i think you know joe the joe ingle suggestion that i made is a good one um i even think like jeff green is is a good position he needs to be on the on the floor with guys where um all five guys are going to touch the ball on on a on a on a given possession. And even Bogdanovich is fine because Bogdanovich doesn't want to run the point. He just wants to get the ball and be a machine and, and shoot right. basketball. And he spreads it. He spreads it for right. Dante to attack, right? Right. No exactly. one's even leaving Bogdanovich. Um, but Donovan is ball in hand. So if he's on the floor with Donovan, it doesn't make the sense to take possessions from Donovan when it doesn't make sense to take possess any possession from Donovan when he's on the floor. And it doesn't make sense to have Dante on the floor if he's not going to have possessions. Right. And it, and it kind of, you know, Conley and, and Joe Ingles, to our points, are are kind of able to, in theory, freely flow in and out of that, that role. Right. Right. To allow right. Dante to kind of explore things a little bit more. Uh, before we go, three home games this week, Wednesday against the Lakers, Saturday against the Grizzlies, and then Monday against the Thunder uh, we both, uh, I think we both agree the Lakers are likely to win that game. And I think win win that game handily to where the sky is completely fallen for the Utah jazz fan base. Uh, but then after that Grizzlies have played them tough this year so far. Um, the thunder, oh, are, the thunder, no the slouches. I think they'll handle the Grizzlies on Saturday. That's enough rest in between, right? Two days or two, two days, days of rest. Not, and I wouldn't say two days practice. off, right? Yeah. A day of practice. So I think they'll win that. I think they'll win that game handily. Monday is where I think this swings for the Jazz to whether it's a good week or a bad week because the Jazz never play well on Monday nights. <laughs> <laughs> and if they're not playing well against the Thunder, Chris Paul and Shy Gilgis Alexander are both good enough to steal that game. Yeah. They're two and two this year on Mondays. One was that that uh win in Phoenix, that one point win in Phoenix. I almost lost that one. Right, and, they, and one and they, was that loss to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yeah, then they beat they beat the Warriors in San Francisco, which is not a feat this year, as we found out. And then they lost to the Wolves at home, and they lost to the Bucks on the road. 
So they're trending in the wrong direction on Mondays. So out of all four of those games, the only game that they played well was the Bucks game. Yeah. Because they didn't play well the Phoenix game. They just and, and, they, the and, and they they ended up just being better than the Warriors. But that right. doesn't that didn't say anything this year like that. I wouldn't say they played all that well against the Warriors. Right. And if they had played well against Minnesota, they would have won that game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So what are we thinking? Two and one has to be at least two and one. Right. They got I mean, they got it's not. A, I'm going to no, say one one in a swing game. I don't know what that means. Okay, I'm gonna say two and one. I'm gonna say two and one. All right, two and one. You're saying two and one? Yeah, I'll say two. I I I actually more worried about the Grizzlies game than I am the Thunder game. Although I think the Thunder. I'm not really worried about the Grizzlies game. I think they're gonna come out and handle the Grizzlies. Grizzlies are just weird this year. Even if they're missing guys, like they're just there's something about this Grizzlies team. I'm in, man. They play hard for Taylor. They really do. They play hard for Taylor. They have a bunch of young guys who. Like this Grizzlies team is going to be a beast in like two years. Yeah, two years from now, I'm I'm with you. I'm I'm in on um, because they have they have talent, and even though they're bad, they can bloody you. And here's what I mean by that: Jonas Valanciunas, Jay Crowder, you know those veterans on that team. Like they make you work for wins, and that's what they did for the Jazz. That's what they did to the Jazz. Like, the Jazz were down 55-40 at halftime. And even though they came back and won the game, they expended so much energy in that second half that they had nothing left for the rest of the road trip. Yeah. yeah. So, it's it's one of those games where if you're the Jazz, you want to come out and just, just get rid of them. Just come out, go up by 20, and just figure it out for the rest of the game. And, and the Jazz have had really very little of those games this year. They've had very little... Every game they've played, most of the games they played this year, except for maybe those Warriors games, you know, they've really had to work really hard, and and they've had to expend a lot of energy. So it's it's one of those things where I think that they could use some easy wins. Um, so let's 100%. see if they can get them on 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 the horizon with with, with what's coming up. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a change to get those those kind of wins before January, right? It usually, yeah. it's every year in January they do it, but it'd be it'd be it'd be different to do it in early December. Uh, check out all your Utah Jazz coverage on the Athletic from Tony Jones. Uh, subscribe to this podcast if you ha- if you have already subscribed to this podcast. Make sure you tell your friends. We could use a a little five star rating on the old o- Apple uh, Podcast app or whatever you use. Um, those definitely help us out. Thank you for subscribing to the Athletic. If you subscribe to the Athletic, you can also give it as a gift and get a cool t-shirt that tony they will not give me this t-shirt for free i have to gift a subscription so i'm gonna do that uh so i can get that uh the athletic t-shirt uh follow tony on twitter follow me on twitter hit us with the hashtag game notes ta if you want us to uh answer some questions on this podcast or read your comments or whatever uh for tony jones i'm zach harper thank you for listening to game notes